Hello, welcome back to the Apply Medic podcast. My name's Chris. I'm a fifth-year medical student at Edinburgh Uni and also the founder of Apply Medic. Um, and this is the Apply Medic podcast where we give um, as much insight as we can into the medical application process, life as a medical student, and life beyond that as a junior doctor. So I've got a, a very special guest with me today, um, Liv, who is uh, a foundation year one uh, junior doctor working in England and um, also has a very successful Instagram account. Hi, Liv. Hiya. <laughs> um, so do, do you want to start by just kind of introducing yourself to the audience and just letting them know who you are and what you do? Uh, yeah. Hi, I'm Liv. I'm an F1 doctor in Wessex. I qualified earlier this year from St George's University of London and yeah I'm currently doing acute medicine and I've just finished my geriatric citation last week. Nice, very cool. Um, so you've obviously went through all of the the, the med school kind of process uh, from applying for medical school going through the whole process and coming out the other side. You, you've now started as an F1 and so you've been in F1 for a couple of months now, is that right? Uh, yeah, four and a half months now. Four and a half months, wow. How's, how's life been for you as an it's F1? Been, it's been good. I really enjoy not having to come home and do work. It's lovely. Yeah. Uh, best, I think, it's one of my highlights. That and being paid, like my two highlights of having started <laughs> as a doctor, is just going to work, coming home, and not having to study constantly. Um, yeah. August was definitely a learning curve. My mm. rotor at the start was just awful. I was, I think I had eight, my first eight shifts, I was on call for seven of them. So where I do, two of them were like long days, which included wall cover, and then the other five of them were clerking. So I literally had no idea what I was doing and suddenly was clerking people in on the acute medical take and it was <laughs> horrendously stressful. But it definitely taught me a lot. Um, yeah, it's been, I've really enjoyed F1 so far. It's been really good. There's a really nice Absolutely. bunch of people down here and like definitely the people I work with make it great. And the other F1s here are really like really sociable bunch. Um, and especially at the start, we did stuff like every weekend. And now it's calmed down a bit because we've all settled into life yeah life down in Wessex and sort of got to know each other but yeah it's good definitely a lot of learning and suddenly you've got a lot of responsibility mm -hmm. that you didn't have before which is probably the biggest step up of suddenly people are turning around and looking at you being like doc what's the decision and you're like I don't know what I'm doing someone just gave me a piece of paper and said I could do this job <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's something that I think everyone feels and kind of the Definitely. confidence comes with time, which is why you have the foundation programme so that you have that time to build up your confidence and know what you're yeah. doing. Definitely. That makes a lot of sense. And so what was what was the first job that you had? What, what kind of ward were you on? So I worked on geriatrics. So the way it works here is you kind of theoretically spend two months on the complex discharge ward and then two months on the acute geriatrics ward but due to my on calls and my leave I spent and staffing across 
the wards because we've got a stroke mm-hmm. unit here as well I kind of split my time between complex discharge acute geries and the stroke unit so I've had like a really great base oh, yeah. across stuff and I've been really lucky I got to go to stroke calls which are really interesting and do all that kind of stuff and had slight stress when I was on call once of having to arrange a critical time critical transfer from here to Southampton which is the nearest neurology center okay. with someone who needed um was it a craniectomy because they had quite a large bleed so okay. the stress of talking to a hems doctor at like half 10 on a Friday night and I was like <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> um, which was yeah an interesting situation to be in yeah I can imagine uh, is it uh, the, the hospital you're in is it like a, a, a district general hospital or, or is that a tertiary centre so I'm in a district general hospital, okay. but because of the way population works around here is that it's very rural. Okay. So we have quite a lot of different specialties here. So yes. we've got like a stroke unit and a renal unit and an oncology unit, which means your walk cover is somewhat more stressful than I think other DGHs where you're suddenly not called right. to prescribe insulin for someone who's gone into DKA, but they've also got an EGFR of one and you're there being like, I don't know what to do. They're on fluid restriction. <laughs> Normally just give fluids and then you just phone the medevac being like, help me. <laughs> <laughs> and so have, have you found it more, have you found that you've you've got a bit more responsibility being in a more rural setting that you would otherwise have, say, like in a in a tertiary centre than a, in like a large city, for instance, like in Southampton, um, where there's usually, uh, like at least from my experience, there's there's so many more like, F1s and F2s and registrars um, that are that are on hand, you know, within any particular ward. Um, so yeah, was it was it a bit more challenging from that respect? Yeah, definitely. There's just less people here because there's less beds. Like on after nine o'clock, we I don't do nights. We work up until midnight here. That's the latest time we'll go at the moment. Okay. But, so, but from nine till midnight which is the shift I'm working Friday, Saturday, Sunday this week. We wow. are covering, we're doing more cover for, I think it's over 200 medical patients in the hospital. Wow. That is a lot. Um, and there's you and an SHO and uh, the, uh, the SHO and the med regger, like clerking. And then there's a team called Hospital at Night, which is two sort of advanced nurse practitioners. But mm-hmm. yeah, there's only like five medical people who are covering all the medical patients and and the take in the hospital overnight which is a lot less than like anywhere else I've been (laughs) it it seems like it is a really steep learning curve yeah um yeah my I'm just had the misfortune of my rotor starting with a lot of on calls so I had that learning curve very very quickly um Mm -hmm. but everyone's very nice and very supportive and doesn't mind if you phone them being like I don't know what to do or I just want to run this past somebody because I think it's the right thing to do, but I just want to make sure, which is really good. Yeah, definitely. That's really good. So do you have any idea of the kind of specialty you want to go into after the F2? Oh, it's, it's a difficult one. I know I want to do something medical. Okay. Um, I really like geriatrics, but I also quite like sort of emergency stuff and pre-hospital medicine so there's no job mm-hmm. that combines those two so at some point I'm going to have to make a decision of what what I'm going to do whether I go down sort of emergency and pre-hospital care or whether I go down and the route of kind of doing geriatrics or acute medicine so yeah 
definitely. I, that's really good. I mean, I think that like that's from my own uh, experience chatting to a lot of F1s and F2s. I think it, it definitely is. It seems nice just kind of having a more relaxed uh, perspective on it and, and just kind of enjoying F1 and F2 and using the experience to, to try and kind of guide you into what route you want to go down, specialty-wise. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really lucky because my job stream has got ger- I just done geriatrics and I'm now doing acute medicine. So it's kind of got like two things which I'm interested in and not sure, not quite sure about. So it's going to kind of help me make up my mind because like a lot of it is looking at what the consultants do is kind of the biggest tip we were given. Yeah, definitely. Like you, they were like, you know, doing geriatrics, like you will be a med reg for five years, which is not... Not necessarily what I'd call fun, but then they're like, it's a means, it's one of those other things that's just like a means to an end to get to yeah. what you want to do for the next however many years till the government will ask retire, basically. <laughs> exactly. It's, yeah, it's uh, having the more, the more, the, the more kind of stress associated with being a, 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 a mid-reg um, is, you know, it's, it's fine. It, and you, you know, if you want to become a consultant, then, once you become that, then you know you can do that that job for however many more years uh, than the actual training took as as a med red. So yes, it's it's definitely worth it if that's what you want to do. So moving on, then the the last thing that I wanted to kind of ask you about was your Instagram account, um, and and just kind of get an understanding of of why. Why you why you created it in in the first place, um, and and what message you're trying to 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 give to people? Yeah, so Instagram account that came about. My old school actually shut down the I think the day before I created my account, and it was the push that I needed to do it because during medical school in my third year I was diagnosed with dyslexia. Okay, and kind of through school and stuff. I had sort of gone and been like, I really can't spell and I really struggle with this. And I like, I think there's something going on. And people were like, but you get good grades, so you can't really be dyslexic. You want to be a doctor, so you can't be dyslexic, which is where mm-hmm. like the dyslexic medic came about of being like, actually, so many people have dyslexia or ADHD or dyspraxia or sort of a neurodiverse condition and do medicine, but they're just, we're, really bad at representing ourselves and actually standing up and being like I do this and I also have dyslexia and I think it's really important for especially people applying to medicine to see that you can do it and that if people tell you you can't they're wrong it's just going to be it's just going to be harder basically um Mm -hmm. with certain things like I really hate writing like long pieces of text and things but I spend a lot of my time writing discharge summaries so you just have to kind of tough it out and (laughs) and like learn how to cope with it but I think it's really important to have that representation of different people doing medicine because I I can't think of through my training a single person who I met who a didn't know someone who's just I didn't meet anyone who was dyslexic through my training who was already a doctor but all of them knew someone but they were always like oh no one ever wants to talk about it it's like this kind of big secret for some people which for me I'm there being like 
hello, I cannot spell, my phonetics are awful and I've got a bit of a problem with working memory. My apologies, can't really do much about it, but I try to get around it as much as I can because for me, being open about it is really important, especially at work where, you know, one of my clinical supervisors very kindly pointed out to me in my end of placement review that I did indeed spell migraine wrong on one of my case-based discussion <laughs> titles. I was like, oops, well, I can't change that now, so we're just going to have to go with it. Um, but yeah, and it's also the thing of it being part of me that I can't change, but also it's not something that is necessarily negative. Like, it's going to make things harder, but it doesn't affect people's capabilities to do something it might mean your grades aren't as good because the way we're assessed is not necessarily great for people with dyslexia or at -hmm. least it depends how your dyslexia affects you like with me the way we were told for our exams they were like well these people like have a higher knowledge and higher understanding of stuff by the way we phrase this question but for me I was like well I don't really understand what you're asking you that's not because my lack of knowledge that's because my brain just cannot assimilate what people are trying to get at. So it's, yeah, it's one of those things that people just don't really talk about. And I've got, I've got friends here who've got sort of ADHD and things, but, you know, through their personal choice, they don't necessarily want those people to know because people are treated differently because of it, because of the massive misconceptions around neurodiverse conditions like people, when I say to people, oh, I've, I'm dyslexic, but, oh, you've done so well for yourself. I'm like, well, everyone who's done medicine or got a university degree or, you know, done anything has done well for themselves. It's not limited to the fact my brain is just a little bit wonkier than other people's. Yeah. yeah and I so, how, oh, sorry. Oh, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was I was just going to ask, how how is life been then for you working as an F1 uh, with, with that additional pressure and increased responsibility and I guess seeing the the fast-paced nature than a lot of the wards that I've been in as as a medical student how is have you been able to assimilate well within that kind of environment have you found that there's been any difficulties or have you found that it's you know other people have had any kind of misconceptions about um, about dyslexia and how it kind of applies to you as an F1? Just, I, I just want to get a kind of a bit of understanding of what life's kind of been like for you so far. Well, I make a lot of lists because if okay. something's not written down, it doesn't exist in my head because okay. I've part of my dyslexia is I have a problem with my working memory. So mm-hmm. it means it just goes. So I just write everything down. So I'm constantly there with my, like looking through my bits of paper, being like, wait, what were they asking me to do now? And having to just, be like sorry I know you did ask me to do something but I have no idea what it was anymore um people here have been very good I'm very lucky um people have made uh, I guess the thing I struggle with, with in medical school is a lot of the way we're assessed especially with like the written things I knew I struggled with and it because often my grades like my written English and structuring and stuff would then pull my grade down because it's, it would make me feel like really stupid and like I wasn't as good as everyone else it would make me a wouldn't would mean I was a worse doctor which is not the case because it's just how you like process the information on the wards I'm very open with people um 
no one's made any comments to my face about it mainly because I have the attitude of if anyone does I'm like I apologize for my brain having like a structural difference is that inconvenient for you because there's nothing I can really do about it um I'm really lucky because the people I've worked with have been very understanding have sort of made not allowances but allow me to have like a bit more time so when I'm doing written things because people know they know not to like rush me or stand behind my back watching me because I find anyone finds it stressful when you're trying to spell something someone's just hovering like right behind you like please go away um I know one of my friends has had some issues because of her ADHD because people it's harder with something like that because of the impulsiveness, because they'll just say something and they can't stop themselves from saying it because that's part of AD, their ADHD. Yeah. So I'm very lucky in terms of I can kind of, it's easier for me to gloss over the sort of issues I have. It gets so much worse the tighter I get. Um, significantly worse. People, have been, people often point out to me when they're like, live no that's just not like you might want to just just rewrite that and I'm like yeah okay you, you've made a fair point there um yeah it's definitely made things a bit harder in terms of me learning exactly what to do and remembering what I need to do but it kind of comes with time and it comes with a sort of practice of being on the wards a lot like I know that people learn differently but I tried to spend as much of my time on placement on the walls as possible so I'd find Mm -hmm. it like a less overwhelming and stressful experience when I did actually become an F1 like one of the most valuable things that I did when I did my assistantships was where I was with an F1 and they would just give me their bleep and they'd be like okay I need you to answer my bleeps for me so it kind of gave me that learning like in a really supportive environment before I was suddenly just thrown a bleep and was like here you go you're gonna be getting calls for like over 100 patients <laughs> good luck um so it took a lot of like the anxiety I had about that out of it I don't know if that's answered your question <laughs> no it, it it really has that no no definitely that that was a really insightful thank you for just being so honest about everything there um and so with your Instagram account uh, from from what I've seen, you're raising a lot of uh, awareness of, um, of 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 what dyslexia is and and what life is like for someone who is a doctor with dyslexia. Uh, and so, what's what's the response been from from your followers so far, and, and from just uh, people in general, um, on on your Instagram account and the kind of the you know the awareness that it's raising. It's been amazing in terms of I have been really bad at posting recently but especially when I was a little bit more active which I'm going to try and be now I'm more settled into F1 in terms of the number of messages I got being like I'm dyslexic as well and you know I showed this to one of my teachers who because they said I couldn't do medicine to be dyslexic and I showed them being like well this person's going to be a doctor in a few months and can do it so kind of changing misconceptions there from people asking like who they should go to if they think they might be dyslexic or they're struggling with certain things and it's been 
it's opened up this like amazing community of people who a lot of people are there being like it's just really nice to know that I can ask someone or talk to someone about this definitely and let people know that it's also okay to talk about it I think because quite a few people have messaged me like oh I'm dyslexic as well so it's really nice in your account like I don't really want to tell anyone though because I feel like I'm going to be really judged for it which is like really understandable also quite sad because I it's difficult I guess for me I was just being like you can say whatever you want to me but I will just come around and be like no you like this is what who I am like I can't change it because it's inconvenient for you but I know a lot of a lot of people like will struggle with that and I know it's something I want to do more because I'm at my hospital here I'm doing my F2 here as well and it's something I want to try and develop with the head of the F1 program for kind of the next lot of F1s that come in like a better support service like in the hospital for people who've like the sort of neurodiverse people who come in next year because there will be people one in ten people's neurodiverse so in my year group of 30 there are three of us so we fit the statistic perfectly (laughs) 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 but so that like there's that support network of who to go to and what to do definitely yeah was there anything any kind of support network like that for you when you were the medical student so we had like the disability service and she was really really good um emma who was the lady who ran at george's and was really lovely it's difficult because when I, by the time I was diagnosed, I was in clini- going into clinical years, basically. Okay. So I'd kind of done a lot of the stuff which I would have really needed significantly more help with, which is all the pre-clinical things. Um, yeah, it was strange because I think there was 25 of us in my year group out of 260 who had extra time for various different reasons. So we always, we all had our exams at the same time because it'll be like this little group so every time you set an exam you're like oh hello it's a special group again (laughs) um yeah I I didn't massively access the support at uni partly because I was from fourth year onwards I was basically never around Tooting or George's because I was at literally every other hospital except from George's so it was made a little bit harder to access it but um they were very good and they were when I went about being sort of diagnosed they were so supportive because I explained all the issues I'd had since I was pretty much in primary school about people just ignoring me and they just actually sat and listened and it was what I just really needed basically I needed to be tested but it was before I got tested I just needed someone to be like Sam's like you've had a really difficult time and there is a problem which is kind of what I needed to be acknowledged I think all the way through um yeah they were great that's really good and so do you think that do you think that more do you think that there's a lot of people with who have dyslexia who are thinking about medicine um or or going into any other kind of allied healthcare profession um who kind of hold hold themselves back because maybe the, they, they receive this uh, the wrong uh, comments from, from other people, for instance, who 
who haven't really been through that process or or aren't really fully as understanding as they otherwise could be about dyslexia? Yeah, definitely. And especially with the way we're assessed just in school as well, like with exams, and because you have to achieve certain grades because they've got to obviously select people for different courses and stuff somehow. I think if if your brain doesn't work in the exact way that is expected, it can really put you down because you don't... A lot of what I struggled with was I don't understand why I'm struggling so much with this. And the way we're assessed is fundamentally flawed because it's not an equal playing field for everyone. So there are people who could like definitely achieve amazing things who are basically told like oh well your grades aren't good enough to apply for medicine or well you've got dyslexia or you know you can't do this because there's this misconception that being dyslexic means you're stupid which is not what being dyslexic is it just means you process information in a different way and unfortunately the way in which we're taught and assessed is just not built for people who process information in a different way because it would be impossible to make a system like that pretty much, or at least I can't think of a way. I'm sure there'll be someone mm-hmm. who will, <laughs> in the future might come up with a brilliant way of assessing people fairly, but the yeah. extra time is what we've got. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that some people are put off and some people are told like the way I was told that I can, that I can go and do medicine and also have a diagnosis of dyslexia because I got AIDS, so I couldn't have a problem, is really discouraging because it makes you feel like, well, why am I struggling so much with this? And actually, if I'm struggling so much with this, maybe they're right. Maybe I shouldn't do this. And I'm very Mm -hmm. lucky. I have a very supportive family, and I was a bit – I'm very stubborn, so I was like, go away. I'm not going to listen to you. But (laughs) I think if that's the narrative you're getting, especially from a young age, people are going to be really put off by it because they're going to – be told they just can't achieve something yeah that that makes a lot of sense and i think your your instagram account sharing your own personal experiences and 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 you know just sharing it all um through the whole process you know uh through medical school and now as as an f1 is i can only imagine is very beneficial um for people who are going through um that similar kind of kind of struggle and and feeling like possibly that there's no one else that's kind of sharing similar thought process some similar thought processes and similar experiences and i think your instagram account really does help with that um and creating that more more of a kind of sense of community um and an understanding as well for people that for people that don't have dyslexia of, of actually getting a better understanding and perspective of of what it actually is and and what it's like to live with dyslexia especially within the medical profession so I think it really is a great thing. So that's that's everything that I wanted to ask, Liv. Um, do you have any kind of closing comments or anything else that, that you want to say? Just thank you for having me on. It's been really great just to have a chat. And no, no worries. <laughs> almost reminisce about, I think it was, yeah, literally just over six years ago, how my extra interview which I then got rejected from, which is a bit sad, but <laughs> doesn't really matter, does it? Because I achieved my end goal. <laughs> so. Exactly. You're here now. It's yeah. fantastic. Okay. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being on the show as well. Um, it's been it's been great having you and it's been such a it's been such a unique insight, actually. I've 
I've certainly learned a lot, and and I hope that that some of the other uh, audience uh, learn a lot from this as well. Um, I think you're doing a great thing. So, if you want to follow Liv on Instagram and get a better understanding of her life as an F1 and everything that she gets up to, then you can follow her. Her username is the underscore dyslexic medic. Is that right? Yeah. Perfect. Um, so, yeah, definitely go follow her, check it out, um, and see what she's up to. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Liv, for being on the show. That's right. Thanks for having me. <laughs>